0: I'm Ava Hartling, welcome to The Brand is Female. This week my guest is Marissa Goldstein, founder and owner of Daughter, a wine bar that focuses on farm-to-table dishes to accompany a curated selection of unique wines located in Toronto. This season of our podcast is brought to you by TD Women in Enterprise. TD helps women in business achieve success and growth through their educational workshops, financing, and mentorship programs. Visit thebrandisfemale.com slash podcast and follow the link to find out how TD can help. Marissa Goldstein did not follow his trade path into the restaurant business. Before opening Daughter, she gave up a career in real estate to move to New York. There, she enrolled in the International Culinary Center and later learned the ropes at Loring Place in Greenwich Village and Blue Hill Stone Barns in upstate New York, which is where she fell in love with farm cooking. Lucky for us, she came back to Toronto. In this conversation, you'll hear about Marissa's journey connecting with her true passion and turning it into a successful business. Here is our conversation. Marissa, welcome to The Brand is Female. It's so nice having you on the show. Thank you for making some time today. Thank you so much for having me. I'm honored. I uh, tend to always ask the, the, the same first question to my guests because I really enjoy getting to the origin story of how your journey as an entrepreneur started. And I'm curious to know, when you were growing up, what did you dream of doing later in life? What did you imagine you'd be doing as a career? Yeah,
1: so I never imagined I would be doing what I'm doing now, but I was always uh, very creative. Um, I love to entertain, make people happy, make people laugh. And throughout my childhood, I wanted to be an actress. I wanted to be... Yeah. Something entertaining, making people happy all the time. And I also love the outdoors. I love physical activity. I used to go on camping trips all the time. I used to take other kids out on camping trips. So, you know, my, my, I have two older sisters uh, very strong very smart they were always you know leaders in our family and um, yeah I had a lot of women role models just you know wanted to be creative-hmm
0: and I know or I read that your path to becoming you know at the at the helm of a restaurant, Uh, wasn't necessarily straightforward. You had a career in real estate before switching over. So I'm curious to know about that first chapter of your professional career. What led you to real estate? uh, You know, what was the story there? And uh, maybe who was a source of inspiration uh, at at that point in your life?
1: Yeah, so even going back a little bit more, I did my undergrad in marketing and communications. And Mm -hmm. that was kind of a way for me to... Be creative, but also be involved in business and have some stability. I thought, okay, I could go on to work in advertising. And when I graduated, I felt like I needed more. And both my sisters went to law school, and my father was a big proponent of doing that, so that you know he pushed. You don't have to be a lawyer, but it's a great education, Mm -hmm. and it brought me to New York. So um, I went to law school. I graduated. I wrote the. for New York and pass, and as I was studying the, for the bar exam, uh, my father had asked me to return to Toronto, work in the family business and real estate, and I obliged, even though it was something that I never thought that I would do, it was something that I felt like I had to do. Um, so I worked with my sister in that business and my family and what was supposed to be kind of two years turned into five years. And I was Mm -hmm. just trying to figure out, okay, what's my next move. I know I want to be doing something a little bit more creative, a little bit more me. Mm -hmm. And I would go out to restaurants and I would eat Mm -hmm. all this great food and I would talk to my husband. I'd be like, I think they use this and that and this in the ingredients. And I'd come home and I'd try to, you know, deconstruct everything and and try to make it myself. Um, So when I was kind of searching for a path of what to do next, my husband was like, why don't you just go to culinary school? And it just made perfect sense at the time. And being someone who uh, wanted to always work in something that was more sustainably focused, better for the environment, has that kind of ethos. I found a program in New York that was a farm-to-table, six-month intensive Mm -hmm. program that had a collaboration with Blue Hill in upstate New York, and I was Mm -hmm. like, okay, this is the place (laughs) I need to be here. And basically what we did was a farmer, a head farmer would come down every week and give us lectures on organic farming principles and practices. And in the school, we learned the basis of French culinary techniques. And it was amazing. And at the end, we got to do these externships for a couple of months at great restaurants in the city. And I got to like really be involved in in the preparation, like the business prep side. I wanted to study everything, how much food it takes to feed 300 covers, how much staff, what is the flow of the kitchen, what is the design, everything. And then when we went up to Blue Hill and we had this week-long intensive course covering what we had learned in the classroom and in those lectures. And then in the afternoon, we did culinary challenges in the kitchen. I was like, I need to be here. I, need to, I have one month left in New York, and I will drive every day from Brooklyn to upstate New York to be here. And I was able to uh, work in the bread bakery there. I had prior experience working in bread before I came to culinary school. I did. Okay. I, it's just, I loved bread. I love sandwiches. <laughs> I love the perfect bite. So it just made perfect sense to me. They had this, um, a mill where they, they milled fresh flour. So that means mm-hmm. that, you know, you're not dealing with something dry and dead, but something where the moisture content is always different. It affects like how much yeast you have to put, what, what the starter is. So like every time you do new flour, you have to reassess the recipes. And that was just so interesting, the science. And then, You know, all these people who work there, it's like the MIT, Harvard of farmers, the best chefs in the world and just their their stamina and their energy. Mm -hmm. I just was like, I have to be a part of this and learn as much as possible. So, Mm -hmm. yeah, that's kind of my origin
0: story. (laughs) I love that. Yeah. And and that was a, a great recap. That's it. The interview's done. We're good. <laughs> Just kidding. We haven't um, gotten to the
1: wine yet.
0: <laughs> oh, yes. No, we, I won't definitely want to get to the wine. Uh, so it sounds like the decision to go to culinary school was really, you know, you following your passion and kind of your intuition on, you know, something that was very clearly Uh, A strong area of interest in, in your life. Was it already in the back of your mind that you were doing this with the end goal of opening your own restaurant? Or was it kind of just, you know, pursuing your passion and going from there?
1: Yeah, so I've always been business focused, I always wanted to create something for myself. Growing up, I, um, was my father was a big proponent of us being our own bosses. So going to law school was even kind of like a predication to be like, okay, you can learn how to create something for you. It's kind of like no one can mess with you if you know the law, so you can be your own boss. He always wanted that Mm -hmm. for his daughters. And my mother was a huge proponent of us finding whatever we would like to do. The world is your oyster, she would say. So Mm -hmm. the the, the impetus to going, yes, was there was a business focus in the end. I was, I was there to study in order to create something afterwards, Mm -hmm. but, it was a journey getting there to know mm-hmm. that I could go to culinary school, that it could mm-hmm. be food that I could start a business in mm-hmm, um, right. or something creative like that. So, yeah, mm-hmm. it, was, it was a challenge. And I had a lot of support from my husband who saw how mm-hmm. I was struggling all the time with where I was at. And he yeah. p- he pushed me there and gave me the support I needed to be like, okay,
0: Yeah, I can do this. And well, I want to hear about the wine part. (laughs) So tell me, tell me about, and we've covered, you know, your love for bread specifically. And I know that's an important part of the menu today at the daughter. So we'll we'll get back to that. But Tell me about your wine journey. So
1: actually the bread story ties in with the wine journey as well. And it's a whole COVID story too. Uh, Basically when I got back from New York, I wanted to do a prepared foods cafe. I wanted to focus Mm -hmm. on also having a retail section with home decor and locally sourced like artisanal products or eco-friendly stuff. And um, I got the building permit. I did the whole design for it. We're about to break ground and all of a sudden COVID hits. Um, Mm -hmm. So we kind of had to put a pause on that project. And what happened with uh, Ontario specifically is that, um, the government um, only allows you to buy alcohol at big box government-run stores called the LCBO. But during COVID, because the restaurant and bars were struggling so much, they started to allow restaurant and bars to sell their alcohol at retail straight to consumers. So when that started happening, I heard whispers that they might make it permanent. And at this time, and unbeknownst to me, even before that, I started to love natural wine. I'm a big, Mm -hmm. like, I have notes in my phone making lists of what I love. And one of those things was, okay, I wanted to know more about wine. I started making lists of what wines I liked. The more I learned about natural wine, I would go back to that list. And every photo and every bottle that I was putting on the list, unbeknownst to me, was a natural wine. So Mm -hmm. I started to get into natural wines more during COVID. And then even more when I was like, okay, this could be a great business. Like we are at the dawning of a new era where we can operate boutique wine bottle shops and we can offer wines that are sustainably focused, work with small, like-minded producers who are doing good things for the environment. And also they're not offered at the LCBO. And, Mm -hmm. um, it just like to give people more opportunity and more choice and a better choice for them to have that opportunity was something that I really wanted to be involved in. So COVID kind of pushed us in that direction, but tying back to bread, it was my understanding of the science behind bread and starters and, and yeast that helped me to understand the science behind wine and the importance mm. of having natural wines Conventional wines, they can use yeasts that are bought off of catalogs that create different taste profiles for the wine. They add sugars, they add dyes, there's pesticides, there's other chemicals, there's fining products that are used. So, for instance, you know, people, some people use calcium from um, seafood to fine the wines and take out all the sediments. And someone who has an allergy to seafood might not know that that's used in their wine and can have a slight Mm. allergic reaction. And everybody says, oh, sulfite, sulfite's this, but maybe you could be having an allergic reaction to one of the 72 plus additives that they're allowed in wine. And this concept and the science and bringing this to people, it's exciting for me. It's like, again, the entertaining, the education, creating an environment for people to enjoy it. And it just kind of all rolled into one. And
0: yeah, that's where I'm at. (laughs) (laughs) So it sounds like, um, I mean, you saw the opportunity during COVID, you know, restaurants were able to sell wine directly to customers at, at retail prices, not just serving it, you know, in the context of a, of a meal in their establishment. Okay. So what happened next? What was the next step in you deciding to actually open something? And also, I think there was a, a, a relocation in there because, you know, you were in New York prior to COVID and mm-hmm. your restaurant is now in Toronto.
1: Yeah, so I was in New York a couple years prior to COVID in culinary school. And those years mm-hmm. in between, uh, culinary school and COVID, I went back to working at the, fam- at the real estate business ah, and gotcha. I helped okay. out. And then half the time I would be planning my food business. And when COVID hit, we had the building permit. We were about to break ground. My, um, my background in real estate helped me to, I also built out the space. So mm-hmm. I was hiring all the trades and doing everything. So At that point, too, I was the only one working on the project, except for my Mm -hmm. consultants and architect. So when I heard about COVID and everything shutting down, I put a pause. And when I heard that the government would start allowing um, bars and restaurants to sell alcohol to the public... I found a brilliant architect who was on my level. We were talking. I said, okay, we need to redo the space, redo the design. We have to resubmit for a revision of our permit. And that took a couple of months. And then we hit the ground running. I started building out the space. That took much longer than <laughs> anticipated. And right. It was definitely speaking about being a female in that kind of environment and industry. Mm -hmm. It was uh, a challenge dealing with certain types of personalities and and getting some pushback from people thinking that I didn't know what I was talking about. What you were doing. All my experience in the building industry. Mm -hmm. But yeah. (laughs)
0: <laughs> and I mean for I think a lot of people dream of, of opening their their first restaurant it's it's typically a huge investment and mm-hmm. you you know we're building your your own space and uh you know you 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 weren't making money with the restaurant yet at that point yeah. so wh- how did financing work for you were you able to rely on kind of friends and family or what was that process yeah
1: like? so um again I have a very supportive network of friends and family who I was able to rely on who really believed in this vision that I had mm-hmm. and believed in in me as a a, a leader in, in this business and um also my own investments when I when I right. knew that I would have to go out on my own I started saving um and uh yeah so it was myself and my friends and family
0: Amazing. And once the space was finally finished, so by that point were, you know, were we out of COVID, like, were you able to open kind of just yeah, post pandemic? We,
1: we were, we were out of COVID. We had a couple, you know, back and forth, but again, the building process took much longer right. than had anticipated. And I was dealing with a company that was, uh, negligent in the way that they handled materials that they would be delivering to my space which delayed the Mm. project a lot and I had to I was very very committed to my architect's design because I was also involved in that design and we had a specific vision and my architecture brilliant absolutely brilliant and I fought tooth and nail to make sure that what was on the drawings was what was built in real life. Mm-hmm. So that took a long, longer time than had anticipated. And, uh, but after the build was done, it was like a flip like that. Like we had to go right mm. into the restaurant business. And I had never done that before. Yeah. Everything that I had done was kind of you know watching and learning and being like working yeah. in the kitchen not necessarily being a leader so it was yeah, yeah. it was really hectic <laughs> it was really <laughs> hectic but everything came together and um, you know, staffing was hard, especially in I was the, ask. In the yeah, location exactly. we're in. We're not in a downtown location. This is also mm-hmm. new for Toronto, this concept of boutique wine bottle shop, even the concept of having natural wine because natural wine was only available at specific bars and restaurants. But honestly, I'm so thankful and I'm so appreciative of my team. My general manager, also another female has a seasoned vet in the industry. She has Mm -hmm. helped me build, uh, the, the restaurant bar side of the business and, I feel so lucky that I can rely on her like I Mm -hmm. like I have back of house she has front of house (laughs) right Right. and it's really nice to have that balance.
0: This season of The Brand is Female is made possible with the support of TD Women and Enterprise, and they're about confidently building you. As a woman entrepreneur myself, I know I need all the support I can get. It takes sound advice, puts guidance to the right connections, tools, and resources. What's great about TD Services for Women in Business is their collaborative approach. TD can facilitate and connect you to workshops, coaching, and mentorship, and they engage other like-minded business leaders in an authentic way, so we can all share experiences and learn from each other. TD Women in Enterprise has banking specialists who are able to be proactive in the advice and guidance they give to women in business. Was it hard finding your GM? And I mean, I love that you found a woman, as we know, in the restaurant industry, typically, I mean, front of houses a little bit more women usually, yeah. but we know it's still male dominated.
1: Yeah, I mean, it was it was difficult, um, not just because staffing in the restaurant industry is difficult, but add COVID yeah. on to that where people were really afraid. Afraid of losing their jobs and were they mm-hmm. they would come to my space and it wouldn't be built out yet or construction wouldn't have started because I knew it would be a long process and I didn't want to wait to the last minute. And I had so much going on uh be mm-hmm. seeing the build out of the project. And I interviewed a bunch of people, but when i found the gm that i'm working with now it was a very synergistic relationship we really believed in in natural wine what we were pushing the business that was going to be brought forward and we really clicked and believed in each other. And she was also there to help support me in let's say like doing food sourcing. I would go out and do all these tastings and I'm like, okay, like I trust your taste. You have great taste. We both have this natural wine, like knowledge and taste. So here, taste some of this food. What's the best challah? Like, what do you think? I think it's this one. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it was great. in having a female also, like you just clicked on a different level. And Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. there's a sense of understanding that, you know, women go through things, physical changes, health things, hormonal things that I don't think that the sex can, the other sex can ever fully understand. Whereas working with another woman, it's like, okay, I'm empathetic mm. that I get it. I get where you're going through and let's just take it a little slower.
0: No problem. And mm-hmm. um, what were those first few months like after opening and you were, you know, it sounds like you were drinking from the fire hose and this was obviously your, your first time managing, owning a restaurant and, you know, having it be open, you quickly got a lot of, you know, amazing reviews, the feedback, uh, you know, publicly was, was extremely Thank positive. You. Um, so what, you know, what was that like and what was kind of one thing that you hadn't foreseen? And I mean, construction was one of them, but once you were open, was there kind of a, you know, challenges that surprise you?
1: Um, yeah, I mean, everything has been a surprising challenge because this is my first <laughs> foray into this industry. Yeah. Um, but again, like, I love being physical. I love that type of work. I love the teamwork. I love the camaraderie. Like we have a saying, I don't know if if we're allowed to swear on this podcast, but like you're in the shits, like you're in the shits Mm -hmm. together and you help each other out. And, you know, like that teamwork and that camaraderie is what I was craving and what Mm -hmm. I like love about this industry, but also it's very hard. Like the first month I was nonstop work, like even on my days off, even now, first couple of months, nonstop work. Um, this is the first vacation I've taken and it's because I, it was my friend's bachelorette trip. (laughs) And I oh, okay, yeah. think, you know, reason. Yeah, we're closed Monday, Tuesday, so I was like, okay, I might as well just stay two days longer. So um, yeah, it's been it's been challenging, but a great challenge. And when I get back, I'm down two staff, so I'm back in the kitchen, back on the books. Mm-hmm. Like you just gotta keep moving forward. You just have to keep pushing forward physically, mentally, like mm-hmm. everything and then you can crash later. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, have you watched the bear? I watched a little bit of it. I watched the first, um, the first couple of episodes. Um, I really like liked it, but it was, Yeah. it's also, it's not that it's like, Triggering, but it's a lot. And it's I was close like, to home. Yeah, I was like, I was like, okay, like I need to focus more on my business and not watch this TV show. Yeah. It's very loud. Yeah. And I have tried to design the menu in a way that we can, there's like, we don't have fryers. We're not cooking burgers. Mm-hmm. We're not cooking steaks. Mm-hmm. I want. I want the environment to be healthy. I want the environment yes. to be supportive. Yes, there's a lot of prep work going on. We make our in-house made sauces, dips. We do roasted veggie dishes. We do, we do a lot of stuff. We do our own dessert, but there's still like a sense of, I want it to be a healthy kitchen and a healthy environment. Right. And again, very supportive for my staff and understanding.
0: Yeah. And I was asking if you've watched A Bear because it kind of, I think for a lot of people, it was really eye-opening into the culture of, you know, being a chef in, uh, you know, a decorated restaurant, a Michelin Michelin. star level restaurant. Yeah, yeah. and uh, you know the the and, and typically ruled by men in you know in the kitchen by male chefs with a very aggressive uh workplace culture yeah. um so it's interesting when you were bringing up kind of you know the 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 type of relationship you have with your GM who's also a woman and it sounds like you're you know you're you're making that difference so I'm curious to know how do you go about making sure that culture and you've talked about being committed to a clean kitchen natural wine so the environment is also important mm-hmm. and then you feel a responsibility towards healthy foods as well and mm-hmm. um, how do you make sure that that culture really permeates you know your entire team mm-hmm. and how do you make sure that's kind of you know, lived and and breathed by everybody who works with you.
1: So a Michelin star restaurant is like that. That's a certain type of beast. And it's also a very beautiful thing. It's, it's, Mm -hmm. I working at Blue Hill, I would try to do as many double shifts as possible, get in the kitchen, get on the farm, get as much exposure as possible. But the people that work there and the caliber and the stress, it is a lot. However, Mm -hmm. the product and the learning environment and the people that you learn from, it's just a whole, it's like a whole other caliber. It's amazing. Mm -hmm. And you have to Be mentally prepared when you go into those types of places and know that the work that you're going to do is so. Difficult, And you're going right. to be stressed out. And I akin it to working at a very stressful law firm or mm, working yeah. under a very stressful boss who doesn't mm. know how to handle their own emotions and puts it on mm. you. And I've been in those work environments and I've been in that environment in a personal sense, too. So right. I felt I had a much thicker skin, but I mm. also For me, I didn't want to put myself through that. And I don't want to put my kitchen and my employees through that. And the focus is also on natural wine. Our focus is natural wine. This is Mm -hmm. our business. Our food is just something that... I love to do. And that will highlight the natural wine and create a certain type of environment for everybody to enjoy themselves. Like I'm so excited for the summertime when we have our patio. I envision people, you know, sipping wine, picking on charcuterie, chilling all day. Mm -hmm. Like that's the type of
0: environment I would love to be in. So I want to create that (laughs) for people. I can, I can see it. I can, I can feel it already. Um, what's, uh, how do you define success? And you're in a very different industry now than, you know, law or real estate. So what does that look like for you? What's your definition?
1: Yeah, I think that um, what I really try to focus on is what is my vision for my life? Mm -hmm. What do I want to create for myself? What type of lifestyle? What type of family? What do I want to give my children? So I think that success is very subjective. Mm -hmm. Some people might think it's a lot of money. Some people might think it's just inner happiness. For me, it's creating a great life for my future family and being able to give them opportunity and great education and allow them to have the experiences that I've been so lucky to have. And Mm -hmm. that is, you know, I am a a grandchild of Holocaust survivors. Mm -hmm. And for me, the, the fact that my grandparents went through all of that and were able to come and create a life In America and in Canada and be able to raise their children based on education, giving them great summer activities, making sure they're well socialized, making sure culturally we are true to our Jewish roots still, Mm -hmm. like... Those are still the important things that my parents have passed on to me that I want to pass on to my children. And that to me is success.
0: Mm, Beautiful uh, definition. (laughs) I I love how you summed that up. And you know you've brought you, you've brought up your 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 uh, Jewish origin and your your Jewish upbringing. And uh, I know challah bread is a big part of yes. um, of the menu. And I read yeah. somewhere that you went on a search for the best challah, yes. uh, the best yes. bakery in Toronto. So tell me a little bit about that.
1: Yeah, so we did a challah tasting.
0: I love <laughs> my that. G- Sign me up. My I mean, GM I'm allergic to gluten, I- so I can't do oh. it, but I love the sound of it.
1: <laughs> so we, we uh, sourced bread from all over Toronto challah bread. And I found this bakery, which is uh, about a 45-minute drive north from our location. So from wow. downtown, it's like an hour and a half. Wow. And it's an Israeli baker. And in my mind's eye, I had this... I had have memories of being in Tel Aviv, having this beautiful, sweet challah, dipping it into tahini. And that's what makes me feel good. And I wanted to pass that on to other people. So it was very important to me to get the same type of flavor that I was searching for. And I found it from this baker and where the area is called Thorn Hill. Right. Um, so we source it from him. And honestly, like At first, he was like, "Oh, what are you doing?" Like I'm like, "Don't worry, everybody loves your... Oh, of course they love my challah." Blah blah blah. But now every time I come, he's like, "Hey, how are you? How are you doing?" So like, he was like, "What are you?" He wasn't sure about what I was doing, but I was definitely sure about his challah and what I was doing.
0: (laughs) (laughs) That's beautiful. I love that story, and I wish I wish I could taste it, but I'll have to find a a gluten free version. Um, Yeah, we have
1: gluten free crack.
0: <laughs> okay, that's that's a great yeah. option. That's yeah. a good yeah. start. Um we've had a few uh women, you know, restaurant owners on the uh, on the show, and uh, obviously Janet Zuccherini, who's a who's a legend, in, in Toronto and beyond, oh, yeah. has has yeah. been a guest as well. So we're seeing wonderful. more women now, you know, starting their their own restaurants or their restaurant groups, even, and you know, in the, in the food industry in general. So are yeah, she's you... been
1: a big inspiration in mm. Toronto for me because I used to go to her restaurants, and then she grew her group, and it's it just it's so wonderful to mm. see such a strong woman grow in the restaurant industry like that
0: and that's that's amazing <laughs> yeah no I love that and I was going to ask are you kind of you know do you connect with other you know women who own restaurants is it is there kind of an exchange do you you know do you try to support each other
1: Yeah, for sure. I have, um, so first it was a little bit hard for me because I did my culinary training in New York and my background in Toronto was in real estate and law. And my friends were kind of like in that kind of industry. So when I got back to Toronto, I really had to work hard to reestablish myself in a totally different industry. And, um, but, I have found some really great women in the industry. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, I'm still new. I'm still small. So hopefully as we grow and as I have more experience in this yeah. industry, I get to meet more people. But again, my GM has been wonderful. Mm-hmm. Um, not on purpose and not for long. All of our staff have been female in in at the daughter and, oh, um, we just, we just hired our first, uh, male for the back of house. <laughs> which are, I, I, brought, I was like, just to let you know, we're all female here. He's like, wonderful. <laughs> that's great. I love it. I was like, you're hired. <laughs> <laughs> so, great. um, yeah, I'm really excited to meet more females in the industry for yeah. sure. And the ones that I do know, super supportive, mm-hmm. willing to like, give me advice, network connections. It's been, it's been really great.
0: Mm, That's amazing to hear. Um, What would be, you you know, your top two pieces of advice for a woman who's considering opening her own restaurant or starting a business in the industry?
1: I think one thing is like the first is to believe in yourself, to trust Mm -hmm. your gut. Like you got this. I had a lot of fears going in especially like if i do want to start a family how how could i have such a physical job and mm-hmm. also maybe be pregnant How would I handle that? How do I, you know, already I have to step in for some staff, calling sick days, whatever, and be very physical. But, Mm -hmm. you know, you just lean on people, lean on your network. My husband comes in and he, you know, polishes glassware every once in a (laughs) while if we have a busy, busy night. And also, don't be afraid to ask questions. Yeah. I know sometimes it can be frustrating for other people to mm-hmm. hear all the questions that you have and to have to answer them. Mm-hmm. But if you don't ask the questions, then how are you going to know what to do? Or how are you going to gauge people and their reactions? And another thing is always get three quotes. Always.
0: Oh, that's a if good one. Doing
1: any, <laughs> if you're doing any work on yeah. your on your business, physical yeah. work, like, going back to the
0: GC hat, three
1: quotes
0: minimum. And yeah. And that's, that's good really for any, you know, any services that an entrepreneur might be hiring. right? Sometimes we're quick to just get that one, you know, we might have a good reference for somebody, a consultant, whatever it is. And then you're always surprised if you ask around, you know, there could be some uh, And
1: in in anything, because that way you learn more about it. Absolutely. Um, Someone will give you information that the other person didn't Mm -hmm. give you. And if you're doing something, maybe it's not your first time. Maybe it is your first time. It's just a way to learn more and be able to gauge the market, too. Like, what Mm -hmm. is the median price? What is a fair market value price for that
0: work? Mm, That's a very good piece of advice for all entrepreneurs. And in closing, I want to ask you about the name. I love that your restaurant is called The Daughter and you've referred to, you know, your family a lot and they've been very supportive. And it sounds like, uh, you know, you are close to your family. So tell me about picking that name. Yeah. So
1: I wanted it to be something personal, but also something relatable. Mm -hmm. Um, I always had this thing where, you know, I looked up to my two sisters and whatever they did, I could do, even though I was a creative, they went to law school. If they can do it, I can do it. I can switch that mindset and we're all daughters and it was an ode to them. It's an ode to my grandmother. It's an ode to my mother. I, She's amazing, the most nurturing, most caring mother. She's the best. But also it was a way to carve out a sense of independence. It's mm-hmm. not daughters, it's not the daughters plural. It's the daughter. It's mm-hmm. still me. And um also, you know, everybody is born from a daughter. So even if a yeah. man comes in the store and they ask about the name, they get a, a an explanation from me and then they're like, I have daughters. Yeah. Oh well, I don't have daughters. I was like, but you were born from a daughter. Yeah. So it's relatable, familial, comfortable, but Mm -hmm. also still, to me, is something a a niche, an independent Mm -hmm. path for myself that was very important for me.
0: I to me, it's also. I mean, I I kind of hear you know your identity as as a woman, but also there's. You know, often names would be so-and-so and and sons or so-and-so and and, and, and daughters. So this, I can see what you're talking about. is very much you claiming your independence and, you know, you're still close to your family and it supported you, but it's not, you know, Smith and, and daughters. It's really you. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah.
0: And, and also
1: it's a note to my dad, too. I'm his mm-hmm. daughter as well. <laughs> yeah,
0: exactly. <laughs> yeah, it works. Don't forget about the dads. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Thank you so much, Marissa. It was great hearing your story. And I'm very grateful you made time for us. Thank you so much. This has been, like I
1: said, an honor and so exciting for me. Thank you for choosing me and allowing me to be on your podcast.
0: It's absolutely my pleasure. Thank you. Okay, bye-bye. Thank you to TD Women and Enterprise for their support of The Brandis Female. You've got it in you to succeed. Let TD help guide you. Visit thebrandisfemale.com slash podcast and click on the TD logo. Thank you for listening today. If you did enjoy the show, don't forget to leave a review and subscribe so you don't miss any episodes. Thank you so much for listening to a podcast by The Brand is Female. I'm Ava Hartling, and this episode was produced by our team. Sound Engineering by Isabel Morris. Research and production support Claire Miglionico.